morning, Lisa. How are you? What evening? I'm doing well, thanks. It is evening for me, just yeah. about. Um, I'm doing well, thanks, Mark. How are you doing? How was your holiday? Good. Yes, we haven't spoken since then. So, uh, a holiday was wasn't a holiday. Um, we, we went to Lanzarote of all places, trying to choose a place which was a. Uh, uh, warm sunny at the time so this is a couple of months back now um and it was warm and sunny it was also very windy and we had a four-year-old who hated it he wanted to be home all the time so uh yes it felt very very difficult so it wasn't really much of a holiday i feel like i've had a sort of a bit of a break since then through getting back into routines at home but um no it was it was, it was nice to get out the country and ex- sort of explore it and show our youngest one how you know what it's like being an aeroplane it's like being a sort of in a hotel all that sort of fun stuff but yeah so back into Probably. work now back into the well have been for the last couple of weeks so it's all good a little little one's probably not going to be a pilot then quite yet <laughs> he's definitely not going to be a pilot no as much as i'd love him to we've got uh aviation in the family um and i don't think he'd be very keen to be a pilot so no uh, no he's, a, he's more of a farmer i think <laughs> which is great which is fine. as long as the, far- the farming industry can still cope in the years to come when he's looking for work. Lise, how about you? Because you've just come back from a holes, haven't you? Uh, well, I've had a holes and then I've had a work trip. So yeah, I, I loved America. Yeah. I haven't got any bad stories to say. Um, Portland was a little bit cold and rainy and reminded me of England. Oh, but um, I love LA. I loved Phoenix. It's nice to go on an adventure. I did the typical come back and, oh, back. What am I going to do with my <laughs> life now? Um, as is standard after any nice, big, exciting, adventurous trip. But then work threw me over to Kimber, which is in rural Australia. Um, and I've just spent nearly a week in Kimber with some colleagues with no phone signal and no Wi-Fi. Yeah, um, so it's it? been an adventure of a few weeks, to be honest, yeah. Mark. Kind of glad to be back in the normal, sane yeah. city life <laughs> and just doing work. Yeah. I know. I know. It's quite nice. Sometimes when it's good to get back into the routine of things, it's quite pleasant. So Lisa, today's chat um, is going to be chat discussion is going to be about chat gpt now chat gpt is something which um it's still an anomaly to most people a lot of people aren't really fully aware of it i hear conversations a lot uh in the workplace and sort of socially about are we scared of the use of chat gpt how it's going to affect us the idr and i don't have a massive amount of experience of it with it as such i've i've tried to log in and sort of become and start to use it but not very much luck if i'm honest so I think today's conversation is going to be around ChatGPT, you know, Penaya. Would you mind just giving me a bit of an intro then into what ChatGPT actually is? Because, well, I think uh, in our in our last in our last podcast, we talked about trends, and I think one of those was about the rise of AI. So obviously, chat, and I, I struggled then to say it, I struggle now to say it, and I think we should give it a code word probably for this podcast. So ChatGPT, yeah. there we go, we did it, we said <laughs> yeah. it, is an AI generative um, text-based platform answers questions responds to things by text in the same way that we've already become quite accustomed to what Midjourney and Dali and all of those AI image generators can do so chat GPT is effectively a whatever you ask it kind of like a Siri of the world I suppose um, it does to with text and with word what um, Midjourney did to image that's the way I would describe it I have been playing in it because it fascinates me as to what it can do yeah. um and it, and you know what? It's interesting talking to different people because different people use it for very different things. School kids are using it to write reports and things like that. Um, I know some of the designers in the studio. I've got one designer who's oh yeah, just if I've got friends coming around for dinner, I just type in what can I make with these ingredients, and it will give me some ideas of what mm. I can cook for tea. 
Um, I've been using it from a work point of view in terms of can it copyright? Can it answer questions? Can it write articles? What what can it do in terms of content creation? And what, how have you been finding what that? What's it been producing about? for you? Has it been something any usable stuff? Have you been submitting well, work stuff and think, well, that's it, I've done it. That's it. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? Oh, look, I think, and I, if only. <laughs> um, so look, I've just been playing in it. And I think in terms of agencies, our agency is exploring AI quite intensely at the moment. Um, and I was reading an article the other day about one of our, um, you know, in our industry, WPP, have actually made the stand of, look, we, we might look into AI, but at the moment we feel it's not the right place for us to go. We need to be really conscious, and our agency is very conscious of things like legal requirements from it. Like, what are you legally responsible for if you generate anything from it? Is it your content? Because something else generated it. So there's a lot of things that because it's so new and so fresh, I think we've all just got to be really careful. And I know we'll probably say this as a takeout at the end. It's just really important to be transparent. I would hate to present something to a client and for the client to think that it's been, you know, like we've paid all this money for a copywriter to produce this or um, if it's an image for an image to be produced in, in the photography and it not be. Yeah. So I think it's fine to use it, it's fine to play with it and explore it, but be really open and honest. I've written a few articles with it, but then I've gone into them and massaged them. Yeah. Um, I've played around with things. I've not actually used it for any live work. So I we had a copywriting brief the other day and I, and I tested it to write some taglines and subheadings and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't. It gave me some things to start with, but it didn't give me penultimate results. So it kind of almost acted as a bit of a research tool for me. That's what I as, as, some, really as someone like me who's a bit of a luddite when it comes to this sort of stuff and it I sort of it takes me a little bit of while to catch up with uh, the rest of the world how does it work then so you've got now I'm going to try and explain it in my very simple terms and please correct me if I'm wrong as I'm sure <laughs> I will be open AI is the company which set up GPT or started it they started it as a tool which as we're using it for so it's sort of a tool that can be used for now I had a description here that was sort of a natural language processing tool driven by by AI. So we're talking about currently, this discussion is really primarily about just copy for now, because we know it can produce visuals, but we're just using copy for now. So the way in which it works, as far as I'm concerned, is you log in, you have an account with OpenAI. There are others, but we'll use ChatGPT as an example right now. You open, you open up your account and then you have an area where you can put in some keywords and it will then produce for you. You ask it what, what you want to produce, a paragraph of a copy around i don't know let's say whatever it might be chocolate cake it's on my mind <laughs> chocolate cake um, <laughs> like it will nine o'clock in a, the morning mark so maybe, maybe best if you describe how does it work then what what would it be to how would it work if you wanted to produce a, a line of copy so what it basically does is it searches all the databases it's been programmed to do this. So if you're looking for your chocolate cake at 9.30 in the morning, Mark, or 8.30 in the morning, I mean, come <laughs> on, you're getting digit. cravings early on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, dep- it depends what you want to know. So as a tool, it's only as good as what you ask it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you're putting in, tell me about chocolate cake, it might give you the history of chocolate cake. So what it yeah. will do, it will search through all of the database and archives, your Googles, your Wikipedias and things to reference the question and then come back with a framed answer or response. So from my experience of it so far, it will only be as good as what your prompts are or your language or how specific you are with what you ask it. So if you wanted a tagline for selling, let's say you want to market some chocolate cake to, um, perfect example, to Gen Z, so Gen Z, you're going to market chocolate cake to Gen Z. And then you, so what sort of things would you put into that box to say, produce me a, a line of copy to be used on the back of a pack or whatever it might be? What, what sort of prompts would you use? 
You could you could literally ask that. I've just opened up Chat GPT whilst we're on the call now. Um, so if I put in write me some taglines for a new brand of chocolate cake. <laughs> This is my cheat day today. Um, can you tell? <laughs> okay, cookies. You have, you have, you have been to the gym, so yes, that's true. So what it will do is, so I've just pasted in there. Write me some taglines for a new brand of chocolate cake. So we've not defined a brand or or anything like that yeah. aimed at Gen Z, and that's as simple. That's all I've put. That's really basic, I think, as a prompt. Yeah. And then it's given some really, I think they're really cheesy copyright. So copyright. So it'll come back with indulge in sweet rebellion, the chocolate cake for Gen Z. So it's done a really very and and it's given me over ten. It's given me ten taglines, and the last yeah. one being "Dive into chocolate heaven," the trend-setting cake for Gen Z. Now we as copywriters would never say for them. Yes. We would never go. It's for Gen Z. You go the super indulgent air yes, for the moment, and you talk to the moment rather than the actual person. Wouldn't you? Yes. Otherwise, you're even the use of language. So not... though. The language is is appropriate. For that category so yeah. even rebellion you know there's sort of if we get just pause right there for a second because this is something which i still get confused about when we talk about gen z now <clears throat> i wrote a list down here because I, I thought this is just for me to help sort of remind myself about where we are here so when we talk about our consumers or who we're targeting we often refer to social generations and i'm sorry social generations of the western world so we're talking about gen z i'm just going to run back very quickly so you, this is what might be interesting for you too who these people are very quickly. So gener Generation yeah. Alpha is anyone born from early 2010 up to mid 20, the 2020s. So that's anyone who's born basically in the last 15 years. Gen Z or Gen Z, 1997 to 2012. Before that, then is the millennials, millennials, get my red words out, millennials, 1981 to 1996. And this Ooh. is the category we fit. So the Generation X, or I do. No, no, Mark. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I was, I'm, in, I'm a millennial. <laughs> the Generation X from 1965 to 1980. And then we go back. There's baby boomers. Then before that, silent, the, the silent generation. Um, well, the silent generation is 1928 to 20, 1945. Before that is the greatest generation, 1901 to 1927. And then... Wow. Before that is the lost generation, 83 to 1900. Anyway, so when we talk about Gen Z or Gen Z, we're talking about those people who were born from 1997 onwards. So, you know, to, to, to anyone who's now 26 and under. Um, so you and I. And there, and there, of course. I mean, I, you did age me a little bit then. I'm not going straight <laughs> into your bracket there, Mark. Thank you very much. Whoa, 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 um, whoa. <laughs> Um, you could have shaved years off everyone's lives right there, right then. Uh, and I think the reason that the reason that we focus in and we're talking about Gen Z here is because they're the ones that are now the consumers. They're the ones yeah. that have grown up and are now making the purchasing decisions that shape the future. Yeah. Um. So we might have excitedly said, "Oh, we're designing for millennials," or we're not anymore. We're starting yes. to think about the next generation. Yeah. And you know, give us a couple of years' time, we'll be starting to think about that Gen Alpha. Um, yes. As which we already are, I guess. When we think about Meta, people always talk about Gen Alpha and Meta yeah. because it's like that's the future, future. No, no. So, um, sorry, Lisa. I, I digress. Then, so we've got yeah. our copy tagline, and we've produced some copy. Then, do you think then what you've got now? So this is in terms of versions. This is two years old, aren't we? We're talking Chat GPT in its current form is roughly two years old, and it's we're never on in terms of versions now. Which version four is that right? And yep. I think we're going on yep. to version 
five now, I guess. That's in the coming. So that's going to basically be an improved version. So that will then also improve on information that ChatGPT gains its resource from. Um, so, and I'm all right in saying that ChatGPT can only get information that it gathers in order to sort of form answers from anything before 2021. Is that right? Yes, it can at the moment. I do think, so I'm only using the basic chat GPT, which is yeah. version three. I do think okay. that version four might go further than that. And I think you can integrate images into that. So you can search by image because one of the biggest things with obviously with something where you search by text is you're limited to your vocabulary yeah. or how you word it. And, you know, I've had to play around it if you word things a different way or, or if you reference different things or expand on it, it changes it. But, I mean, look, everyone's, I know there's a ream of people that are like, it's going to take our jobs. So actually, yeah. it's a tool at the moment. And and it will create new jobs because there's going to be people who teach you how to put the right prompts in, just like yeah, people true. years ago would teach you how to use filters in Photoshop, right? Like there's still going to be different roles and responsibilities. They're just jobs, jobs are changing all the time. Yeah. So it's not going to, there's going to be new jobs. Then. We can tell, and I'm assuming the likes of teachers in schools who've got pupils who have access to chat to be using them. Right now, if you use an unedited version of what ChatGPT produced for you, it's quite easy to almost tell that, that hang on a minute, that doesn't sound quite right. The next few versions so. are going to, I guess it's like like imagery. The versions, the stuff we're seeing now produced by OpenAI or um, you know, Midjourney, for example, it's all got something about it. We spoke the other day, didn't we, about the finish. It just looks slightly over polished maybe sort of almost it looks like it's been computer yeah. generated or rendered um and there's I going think... to come a time that that's going to it's going to become photorealistic the copy is you can't really it's difficult to sort of question whether it was um, produced by ai or human i think i think look i think copywriting is a little more complex than people give it credit yeah. for anyway because i think it depends on your tone of voice and you can tell if a certain person is writing it yeah so I think it, it's really great for research. That's what I found so far is that playing around with chat GPT is really good for research. Yeah. Like it will tell you some of the key trends or what's going on. Even when we start to look at um, Gen Z, we kind of go, all right, what are the key things? And then you can take that and then research further. So yeah. I think it can reference things that it would take probably strategists and researchers a lot of time to find. You'd have to question. I mean, I know there's been also people going, oh, I don't know how real what it prompts out is. You'd have to kind of research into that. But when you, the only way you can get a kind of tone of voice to it is if you reference a person or a way of writing in the style of, yeah. and, it, and it can be like, you can write write me a piece on consumer trends for Gen Z in the style of Mintel. And it will do it. Yeah, and it will do it pretty accurately. Yeah. And um, so I do wonder how it affects places like that because the research agencies have to exist. Mm. But then if there's something else that's spitting out their research in a different form, does that then degrade the cost of what they do? Because you know how much you pay for some research platforms. Yeah. That's a really interesting point then, because someone like Mintel who has this, a subscription format, does can ChatGPT access the information which is only available via subscription? That would be an interesting sort of question, wouldn't it? Because there'll be... Yeah. Is this going to encourage people then to have almost a, a subscription firewall to stop... OpenAI or ChatGPT accessing that information. I don't know, because if, from a marketing perspective, we've got to get that information out there in order to sell ourselves, so visually or through copy. 
it'd be interesting to see and that's I guess where the um the transparency and authenticity piece comes in to say will you reference because whenever we've done pieces in the past or you do like research articles you reference where you got the research from yeah so if you're using something that's from chat gpt do you then go oh this was by or i got this from yes or do you just not i think that's that's a really that's the biggest challenge probably for agencies and anyone who's creating content whether you admit where you got that content from in our world least how do you think we can we will be able to use this where do you think it will sort of slot into our sort of daily routines of in a sort of creative studio because i know that we, you've you and i discussed various different applications which will be that we use for for example in photography we use a lot of photography on our packaging um and in terms of where designers use how we use photographers um whether they be in-house external we produce visuals for them to use so we might produce a scamp or a sketch of how we want a particular type of product to look if it's set on a plate and the propping it's going to use i think we we spoke about some examples of where we could potentially use um open ai to produce visuals for us and i think do you think do you it's think it's gonna talk- it's gonna have its so have a place soon in our world of design or is it there already well i, I think that's the interesting thing so we're working with an ai um company that are trying to build a platform that's aimed at creatives so i think i shared some of the stuff and the visuals that they produce with you mm-hmm. and i think it's interesting to find out where it's going to suit us best because we did try and use it for some mood boards at first but the way a creative mind works when you're looking for mood boards is you don't always know what you're looking for and it was actually really hard to work with the team. And actually, there are a bunch of lawyers who were building this platform, so they don't know our world. So to try and explain, oh, when I'm looking for some images for a mood board, sometimes I don't know exactly what I want. So I'll just trawl through and it will take me down little rabbit holes until I find something and go, yeah, that captures my mood. So that was quite hard. But where it's starting to uh, be interesting is we do a lot of photography briefs in the studio. And the client will want to almost see a photo realistic visual before we then shoot the actual product. They go, no, I need to know what it's going to look like before you shoot the real product, which takes a lot of time. Like my team spent hours photoshopping like coriander on plates and things mm-hmm. just for the client to approve it. And so if you can remove some of that time, yeah. ultimately, that's not going to be the final content. We would never use that image that it creates for the final content. Yeah. But for a mood board, for an idea, just to get our ideas down, it's actually quite helpful. Yeah. to be able to go oh i'm looking for an image that looks like this you've done it you crawl through shutterstock to go yeah. i need a white plate with a you know hot dog you on top it. of it and some sweet potato <laughs> chips or whatever and you and it will come up with everything but what you need all at different yeah. angles yeah, so, so if you can then control that and go this is what i need for the client yeah. to them and approve and then you recreate it with their real product we would never use it as a as a final image yeah it's a really good point so, we um in the past, I know that when we've had studios, when I've been with agencies with photography studios attached, you might do a few test shoots and they can take days sometimes, you know, multiple days to get even just the test shoot right. And if you're able to sort of circumnavigate the test shoot in some way, just by producing some visuals by prompt, using prompts um, and then potentially massaging it a little bit after that somehow to doing a little bit of comping. But that's a, it's a really good example. But then moving it further then could at some point our designer role as designers be not necessarily supported but we would then necessarily potentially be supporting the open ai in terms of doing the, the design role and the creative role I, i'm asking you for a sort of an answer which i don't you can't give i guess but it's <laughs> do you it does get to that point where you do start to think okay where where is it going to start and how is it going to fit within our daily daily jobs and is it going to become more and more important for us to be able to understand and potentially limit access to this sort of stuff I, don't know. I think it's really I think it's really interesting when we look at it in um, 
in align with what Gen Z wants from the future of brands. Yeah. And so all of these tools allow us to very quickly um, and very accurately create high resolution content. Yeah. So there's been a lot of years now we've been like, oh, I want to be a content creator, not a creative, a content creator. So we produce massive amounts of content, but there's only so much our brains can consume. And I do think there's a bit of a movement to go, there's too much, like there's, there's too much content. So it becomes about the quality. And then when you start to produce it that quickly, how do you then differentiate between what's, what's actual valuable content and what's just there because you can create it? And that's where people like our expertise and everything comes in, I guess, because we go like we've had experience to know what resonates with people, how you make those long lasting connections, not just pump stuff in front of them. That's a marketing message. They buy it. Yeah. You know, we, we understand how brands are made and, and live in people's worlds and lives. And I'm not sure that AI without the support of humans can do that. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Now, um, who knows in four or five years time um, and with... I mean, we were talking before about the younger populations, let's say the millennials, Gen Zs, for example, they've been growing up with access to the internet or their lives, and it's their lives have just always revolved around this sort of stuff anyway. So use of AI isn't, of course, scary to them at all, and they've sort of, they accept it easily. I think for, for some of us oldies, accepting it becomes a little bit harder, but then also maybe we can see how quickly things can move, exciting and scary at the same time. You should bring your ideas to life a lot quicker. And I do think that's a benefit in a move in a world that's moving so quickly to be able to generate ideas and then execute them. Like we all know when we've had a job in the studio, but it's a massive brand and it's going to take six months for it to do. I mean, it's very different to private label world, isn't it? Like you've yeah. got Aldi that have got like four weeks to get a job <laughs> from start true. to finish. This is a big brand that have got like four or six months. Well, by the time that's created and you've done it and you've crafted it, it's yeah. been printed and out in the world. It's old news. So this allows us to prototype really quickly and yeah. work out whether it will work or not and just throw it away. But I don't think it's the final solution. I think it's just the tool to generate ideas, to generate quick responses yeah. that then you can take forward and work with and craft it and, you know, kind of execute it. It did have a really, so one of my um, amazing designers did put, you know, we have a creative chat at work where creatives can share cool work that they've seen. And one of my designers put a little graphic that she'd obviously seen on Pinterest or something the other day that said, to replace graphic designers with AI, clients will need to accurately describe what they want. It's all good, guys. We're yeah. safe. <laughs> oh, no. It's really great. And she actually shared it in the whole company workflow chat instead. But um, it gave everyone a bit of a giggle. And it's I think very that, true, though. That's what very people, true. people, yeah, it's like, you know, we're, the average client. you kind of have to dig in. Exactly. You know, so I think... It's not there yet. It's a great tool. I'm excited to see where it goes. I think yeah. it's great for generating ideas. Have a play around in it though, Mark. Like I was a bit like, and I started playing around in it going, crikey, this is good. Yeah. Well, I've, said, I've, said, I've explained dead. before, I am I am not the world's best copywriter. It's not something I, I sort of lean on as a particular skill set of mine. So I'll happily have anyone else help me. And if it's chat GPT helping me, so be it. Our business is exploring the legal issues around it. But I thought yeah. it was really interesting that WPP and all of the agencies that it supports has said it will not use it to present work to clients until but it works it out. Is a problem we won't be able to tell. So how, how can you prove that to us? Because surely the way the way these so these algorithms that they use at ChatGPT work, for example, they might be accessing information that people like WPP are already accessing as well. So the the output they produce is going to be similar anyway. So you might not, might not be able to tell no, I think I, I did try to log in the other day and into OpenAI, create an account to try and use ChatGPT for the purpose of this conversation. So I can sort of, it speaks from experience. 
unfortunately i can't access it i think that i was reading about there are lots of people having the same problem because maybe there's too many people using it and there's it has a, a limit to the number of users um which kind of it makes does. too late to the game just yet but there are alternatives aren't there lisa there are others um so you've got chat gpt yeah. produced by open there's what was the other one called you you put you said them the other day I don't... barb there was one called barb i think and google oh, i don't know any others well. I... I know that Google has um, is working on and has its own. I didn't know any others, to be honest, that are text-based. I know there's yeah. quite a lot of image-based. There's Dali, there's Midjourney. Yeah. Adobe are working on something. So it'll be interesting to see what Adobe yeah. come up with. Yeah, that should be quite um, exciting. But they're, they're image-based. Because they, they can also access their own image libraries as well. So if they could combine it somehow and you in your image searches, I think it'd be fascinating. You'd have real stock imagery and then AI-produced imagery. So, yeah, I'll be quite interesting to sort of watch. Well, Lisa, it is quite scary. Um, I think what we best do is sort of we'll keep this quite short, partly because my knowledge of this is so so limited. And I'm asking, I'm asking you questions about, I think no, things, you may not be able to give an answer too. So um, anything else you'd like to add to the conversation about the chat TV? I think so. I think probably go away, have a little play around in it and um, and come back and see what you've created and discovered. Um, I'm super excited and, and it's interesting talking to different creatives and see how they use it. Um, again, we would never present anything to client, but just even just in personal time, just kind of see what you can do. I mean, I like copywriting, but I know a lot of designers who hate it. <laughs> so if it can help some of that romance copy or even get you, even for research, we've spent so long doing those things. If it can help any of that, it's going to be a great thing. All right, Liz, well, look, well, we'll round things up here. I really enjoyed that, and I, I will be going away and doing a bit of experimentation with it. And uh, you might start <laughs> seeing my copywriting company setting up very soon. <laughs> AI reduced copywriting, but uh, uh, yeah, we'll. I know the energy is not quite there yet, but uh, Lise, this has been brilliant, and we we'll look forward to the next uh, conversation. We'll be coming up very soon. Sounds good. Chat soon, Mark. All right, thanks, Lise. Take care. Bye bye.